You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more about this show, as well as my other podcast, How to Stand, visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com. There you'll find episode guides, as well as additional reading, more exclusive content, tons of great stuff. And never miss an update, an album review, interview, etc. by subscribing to the free newsletter, howtostand.substack.com. You could also become a paying subscriber on Substack, and that means you're supporting an independent creator and become part of a community, howtostand.substack.com. Enjoy the show! Hi everybody! Been a minute since the last big 17 karat K-pop news roundup and Seven Fates Chaco update, so that's what I'm going to get to today. Starting with the Seven Fates Chaco recap, let's just dive right into it and then get to a ton of news. The latest Instagram posts on the Seven Fates official Chaco account that we need to dissect include the image of a barren playground, an image that looks like the Dow, up 50 million points, the bounty on these boom in the story basically being jacked up. A District 5 security account with a bank deposit going into it. A table that features shards of broken glass and a sign promoting the sword of the ancient age. A copy of a newspaper saying missing girl. Could it be National Archer A's sister? Other headlines about investigations underway now to find this missing sister. Red strings used to draw parallels between pictures, and one of those pictures is someone in a hoodie with a tattoo on the back of their neck. A social media newsfeed tab where users are posting about a boom sighting and wondering if the archer had a little sister, and it turns out yes. Those to me are the most key details in the latest Seven Fates Chaco Instagram updates to use as clues. The playground, references to Archer A's missing sister, a District 5 account deposit, the red string board, which has as a suspect the guy with the tattoo on the back of his neck, and promo for the Sword of the Ancient Age. Let's pick up the story where we left off, talking about episode 6, when Dogian is confronting Haru and Zeha. Dogian was like, you guys smell like the bomb. Are you not really human? And that was the cliffhanger. Now we move into episode 7, where Haru, with quick thinking, says, No, 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 we just smell like them because we're fellow bone hunters. Their scent is bound to come off on us. Dogian then warns them, Okay, look out for Maro and Bulti. They're out there somewhere, they're dangerous, and they're a mystery because they can easily shapeshift to just look like ordinary humans. I know in some earlier recaps, I really talked about Haru with disdain. Witnessing so much chaos, not interfering to help. But I'll admit, I'm really starting to see a new side of Haru now. Starting to grow on me as a character, because in this weapons exchange center, the next scene in this story, they are looking for a new sword. Theirs has been worn down from slaying these bone. They need a new one because the old one they have will surely break next time they try to use it for a big mission. Apparently these swords are ranging from $41,000 to $83,000 USD, and apparently the quote-unquote good ones that they're looking at range from $335k to $419k. But they're like, we have no choice, it's life or death. You can either be alive and broke, or dead and still have that money, so... But anyway, I really started to like Haru because he sees the Sword of the Ancient Age on display. And he literally just says, quote, that sword belongs to us. 
He points to the newscast and is like, look, it's right there. And Zeha needs to like teach him, hey, remember, this is one of those moments where your your inner rock is showing. Your past is a rock, not as a human. Because you need to know in the human world, when they say as seen on TV, and you point it out and correctly identify it, that does not mean, congrats, you get it now. Go take it. The ad is not permission to take it. It's permission to buy it. Now we pivot to a scene in this museum with a team of men we later learn are called the Tiger Butterflies. I'll call them TTB for short, but yeah, they are actually very tough. Don't be fooled by the name. But they're also not the sharpest tools in the shed. One of them gets scolded by the others because he flat out just yells, Ah, we're out of ammo! So the nearby enemies could hear. And these nearby enemies happen to be, boom, filling and prowling around this museum. Three notable things about this moment where they're crouched down there. One is that one of them does have that tattoo in the shape of a butterfly, the suspect. The prime suspect is in the ranks. Two, one of them remarks it seems fishy that this relatively amateur but acting tough team has been fending off these boom for about an hour and still no backup has shown up. No police, no security, no one. Now this quote could totally just be because no backup was available, state of emergency here, could also be because of not just extended resources, but not knowing, oh, let's put the resources to hunt the tigers in the museum. So there could be a logical reason, but you never know, maybe this is hinting to later in this webtoon we find out some sort of government cooperation or cover-up was happening. You never know, there could be a, a shady component here. Third interesting part about this scene, Haru once again has to be reminded by Zeha, hey, no, you can't just keep walking around the museum, this is not how museums work, and just taking stuff from the museum that you like. Not how this works. The boom all turn in their direction, having heard these back-and-forth comments as Haru and Zeha walk through the museum. After the boom find them, this time Haru steps up to the plate and actually takes charge. He fends them off with these bursts of electric light that shoot out of his hands, these walls of electricity he forms. Zeha also tries to help, charging forward, attempting to strike with this sword that's really shoddy and, yes, does, on this last attempt, break in half. So Zeha, suddenly showing all along he could have been using this superhuman strength, or maybe it was just the adrenaline rush of the moment, I don't know, but all of a sudden he's showing off the power to just shove his hand into a glass display case to grab that ancient age sword and carry on fighting now. Oh man, my shoddy sword no longer works. Hey, I'll just take this one, and he just casually grabbed it. Episode 8 picks up right mid-action. And this TTB, the tiger butterflies, make a break for it, while Zeha and Haru are distracting the boom. But they do say, quote, How embarrassing that we owe some burglars for our lives. Quite a one-liner. What appears to happen next is this repressed memory comes back to Zeha. That's what it looked like to me, not 100% sure. But Zeha's eyes glow anew after this scene is suddenly switched to where we see a circle of people and one of the people in this crowd pledging to slay with the Sword of Death, they call it. Presumably, the same sword as the Sword of the Ancient Age? Unclear. After this cutaway, Zeha's back in action, and we see him slashing his way past the tigers to get to Haru, who's fallen down, looks injured. Zeha's now exhausted, though. 
Zeha's adrenaline rush and inner tiger, I guess, seems to have been replaced with his most human self. And he's very physically taxed, worn down, feeling heavy. He really physically can't fight much more. And somehow this is when Haru gets up and becomes once again fully conscious and energized. One particularly alarming Bohm sneaks up behind the two and gets ready to pounce, but then he's struck dead on with a bow and arrow. And it turns out that came from a mystery man. They each hold onto one arm of this passed out mystery man and start to slowly walk out of there, but TTB taunts them. Transition into episode 9 here. They're threatening Zeha and Haru, saying scram, these are our bomb to collect and get the prize money for getting. When it becomes clear that Haru and Zeha are not leaving, TTB shoot Zeha. The leader does, but then the others actually throw axes at him. It gets really gory and intense, but props to the illustrators who did an incredible job with this. But Zeha does fend off a lot because of this new sword he has. But then once again, he gets physically taxed. So it's really evocative. These images show this constant fluctuation from his half-tiger self and his human side to himself, going back and forth. Zeha falls to his knees, and it looks like TB's leader is about to shoot him, point blank. Until Dogian shows up and shoots TTB first. Well, he shoots at him, but it actually hits his weapon. And so this TTB leader, his gun is now broken up into pieces. Dogian had the weirdest one-liner here after doing that. Quote, even thieves keep professional courtesy with one another, and you just cross the line here. So you know how in the Spongebob movie, there's Spongebob and Patrick, and then there's Boot, and then there's Bigger Boot. Levels of intimidation. Yes, I bring a Spongebob analogy into everything. It's kind of like that, so picture the main characters here as Spongebob and Patrick level, and then Boot is the TTB. Bigger Boot is Dogian, so he intimidates them too. So anyway, so Dogian is here, now TTB, who are once the big dogs in the room, are intimidated, and they think he will act on his threats. They try to warn him still, but he's like, he literally just says whatever. TTB leave, and they try to thank him for basically saving their lives. Dogian has another great line, quote, No need to thank me. I'm simply making up for the time I held you at gunpoint. Casual. Haru, once again, is redeeming himself in my eyes, being so dramatic because Dogian now turns his back and is ready to walk away. But then Haru says, quote, My hands are already full. I would be most happy if just one person would come and help me out. Not a single one? So, of course, Dogian ends up helping, and they all go to Zeha's house which Haru keeps claiming is his. He's like, don't worry, guys, you'll be safe now in my home. It's a great place. And Zeha has to keep correcting him throughout the scene, like, this is my place. What are you talking about? But Haru's like, I provide the shelter, the refuge. And they're like, no, you don't. So the four of them are in Zeha's slash quote-unquote Haru's house. Haru, Zeha, Dogian, and the mystery man, who now wakes up, regains consciousness, and starts asking if they know where a girl is, in a blue dress, with a braid. He also talks about this guy with a red top, a tattoo on the back of his neck, who he's looking for too, so we can presume this guy is Archer A. Now he reveals his name is Juan, and he heads out, saying, let me know if you get some info about my sister's whereabouts. 
Episode 10 continues the final scene of episode 9, where TTB are trying to attack Bohm in this area, this smoldering city area. Maro shows up with Bolti, and Maro stabs these Bohm with these really long, electrified nails, talons, whatever. Lots of gory fight scenes ensue. Really well done job by the illustrators, so read with caution if you're easily squeamish. This guy they're calling Master tells some followers to go to District 6 now. Others he tells to stay where they are, and he tells Maro and Bolti to prep at District 7. Remember, the deposit in that Instagram post I called out is in District 5, so they're really expanding the reach right now. This really thought-provoking quote comes up, which is, quote, Pain is what makes revenge whole. Pain is what makes revenge whole. Sounds like a classic movie quote. This guy who shows up in this black hood brings huge evil Kermit meme vibes. If you know, you know. Also kind of magic shop hood vibes. So I'm going to call him Kermit, but it's this mystery guy. He's this evil Kermit looking dude. You know what I mean if you've seen the meme. Anyway, Kermit shows up and he says he has an offer. Before he can say what that offer is, these guys lunge at him and get ready to attack. The most frustrating, suspenseful cliffhanger yet. The episode ends with Kermit again saying, would you like to hear this offer? And we don't know what the offer is. I will keep you posted, but wow. Let's get to the latest K-pop news. You know Eurovision, the song contest in Europe? Really big. People representing different parts of Europe submit and perform original songs. In one original song, wins the most votes and tons of fame. Globally, really. That's the short version of what happens. But anyway, now there's an American version that just aired. It's called American Song Contest. There's one artist representing each state, five represent different U.S. territories, and one for Washington, D.C. So in total, 56 contestants, eight of which are actually already famous people, including Alexa, repping her home state of Oklahoma. So be sure to go support her really easily on social media, particularly TikTok. You can use the NBC app to vote. Go to NBC.com backslash ASC vote. Lots of ways. I'll link to a voting thing on my site too. You can go to YouTube, see Alexa's Wonderland performance, see for yourself why she should win. It was really great. With all due respect to my home state of Illinois, public voting is just part of the picture though. The jury will also vote and the combination of jury decisions in public votes chooses who will advance to round two. And there are three rounds. This jury, by the way, is also composed of 56 people, different industry executives, members of the Recording Academy, radio programmers, and songwriters. There are three rounds that span across eight weeks. We just had round one start, the qualifying rounds, 11 acts per episode. 22 acts go to the semifinals. Then 10 go to the grand final round. However, an 11th contestant will get to make what they call a redemption song and come back to the competition in the grand final. So if someone you really liked doesn't make it past round two, there is one chance they could still join the finals back again anyway. The jury, on their own, award an artist with a spot in the grand final. So after a semifinal round, the jury picks who will move on. Everyone else is based on that combination of public and jury decisions. This is a really big moment for K-pop. It's also a big moment for crystallizing what this moment in pop culture icons looks like. 
pretty summative having the host be Kelly Clarkson and Snoop Dogg. Next thing I want to talk about, and I've talked about this a ton on the show before, sorry, it's just still relevant and worth discussing. Listen to past episodes of Stay Tuned if you want the full rundown on what this stuff is. But we have to address for a few minutes now. I'll make it painless, I promise. K-pop venturing into this trend of cryptocurrency and NFTs, which actually has not had the automatically assumed outcome. K-pop fans are very online, I would know. And so it seems at first on its face like a good fit. NFT trend, digital asset stuff in K-pop fans. But actually the NFT fans and K-pop fans there's not the overlap there that you'd expect. And once you really, at a deeper level, stop to think about and understand K-pop fandoms, it's actually not surprising. Because first of all, we tend to be very concerned about the world at a bigger level. Particularly the army, we are very concerned about the environment. Bitcoin mining and stuff, that stuff takes up so much energy, it's insane. So environmentally damaging. The transaction actually of a single ether can use up as much energy as a whole American household does in one week. And actually, lately, with over 1 million transactions per day, the NFT industry creates a comparable amount of carbon to all of Norway. There's also just this, I would argue, healthy skepticism towards this type of thing, feels scammy, especially with younger users online, just concerns about the lack of security and stability and regulation in the crypto world that has allowed for money laundering and things like that. The anonymity associated with transactions is a double-edged sword and of special concern for younger internet users who don't fully get the gravity of what they're doing when they make a digital transaction. Of course, tons of K-pop fans are not these super young users, but you know what I mean. It's just a natural instinct for certain fandoms to worry about the greater impact of certain choices on sectors of the fandom. Some K-pop groups have actually backed out of exploring this metaverse, Web3, NFT, etc. world because of the backlash. After a ton of concerns were emailed directly to the company, Ace decided to stall, if not permanently terminate, their NFT plans. The BTS ARMY has tweeted the hashtag ARMYsAgainstNFT in response to news about a partnership between HYBE and Dunamu. It is interesting the difference, with Ace backing out, but HYBE still moving ahead, but still taking fan concerns into consideration. They say they're using this alternate energy method that will be a million times more efficient than the current services that are a go-to. So there are potentially more environmentally friendly, or at least less destructive environmentally, ways to get involved in this world of crypto and such. Then there's YG Entertainment partnering with Binance, considered a leader in this world of blockchain. YG actually is pretty on its face about that, saying the quiet part out loud, summing up what they're doing. Quote, please look forward to our various trendy attempts to interact with our fans. They basically just said, we're getting in on the trend. And then SM Entertainment announced their plans to partner with Binance, saying they wanted to utilize this intellectual property, establish a P2C ecosystem, play to create. That's the latest. I'll keep you posted just because it is interesting to me and it is consequential because it speaks to a greater pop culture context, the reactions to fan concerns. And it's interesting how responsive some of these K-pop companies have been to those concerns. 
either addressing them like HYBE or addressing them like the interactive ACES agency by shelving the project entirely. It'll be interesting which other K-pop companies like YG and SM acknowledge at least fan concerns, and if they don't, does that affect whether their efforts here flop or not? It will be interesting to see. Again, my personal take on all this, I dove into in past episodes of Stay Tuned, so let's move on. Taeyeon's solo YouTube account is here. I'm so psyched about this. It's called TY Track. It is so awesome already. The commercial came out in honor of his SoundCloud account anniversary. It is just such an exciting time for Taeyeon fans. It's going to feature everything. His freestyle dances, vlogs, cooking videos, everything. Beside the super cute trailer for this YouTube channel, which I will link to on my site, his first upload is a new song and dance video for Lonely, featuring Saran, who he actually has a collab with, Diamonds, coming out as of recording time soon. It's out the 23rd. So add that to your to-do list after Vote for Alexa on American Song Contest. Check out the Lonely dance video and stream Diamonds. Those are your to-dos today. My favorite lyrics are when he says, quote, I don't know myself well either. Maybe it's because I worked so hard. That's a really thought-provoking one about the need to slow down and get to know yourself better. And, quote, every time always on fire, I just happen to be like that because every day I went overseas. Feeling like you're on fire, you're on top of the world because you got to go across bodies of water to other parts of the world as part of your career success. But as a consequence, then you don't know yourself fully. It's a, it's a very well done song. And he just talks about wanting this privacy. So it's an interesting window into his psyche, and it's just classic Taeyeon. The video is also really cute because it's just enviable, frankly. HGTV is shaking. This roomy bedroom and house, it's truly just immaculate. I know room envy was so not the point of the video, but come on. Next up, tons of BTS updates. First of all, Ticketmaster messed up again. To put it nicely, they did a thing again where they sell out all the tickets to a BTS show during the pre-sale. And so the public on sale never happened. It was just canceled. That to me is just so annoying. The typical go-to way should be there's a set number of tickets for pre-sale. So after those are sold out, you're still ensuring that non-pre-sale accessing people get to try to get a ticket. And they actually didn't do that before either, so I don't know what their deal is. However, if for some reason Ticketmaster hears this and wants to sponsor this podcast episode, what I actually said was, this is a very smart move. You guys keep it up. You're all attractive. Anyway, the event I'm talking about the Vegas residency they will have in April, which is also huge because that's a month where HYBE is going to have these auditions in Vegas. FNC Entertainment, SF9's company, is actually also going to come to the USA for auditions pretty soon too. Plus, BTS will be in town then. Total reality show potential there if they went to like a Vegas boot camp to train these auditionees, just throwing that out there. But they'll be in town to perform at the Grammys. Possibly even the KCAs they'll swing by, as they're nominated for two awards there. Meanwhile, their Permission to Dance on Stage Soul live show is officially the top-grossing live cinema event of all time for North America. The in-person events had 45,000 attendees, and over 1.4 million people attended live screenings from 191 regions. More huge news for them. BTS set three more Guinness World Records, bringing their title to 28. Their three latest are Most Followed on TikTok, Most Followed Band on Twitter, and Most Followed Band on Instagram. 
The other piece of BTS news I will just throw in real quick. Jin is recovering from a finger surgery, so get well soon, Jin. But it sounds like he genuinely is doing okay now. So not cause for alarm, cause for concern. Now let's move on to a ton of big concert updates. First of all, please note that ATEEZ's European tour dates have officially been rescheduled to April and May, so those dates are set. P1 Harmony will be back in the USA. They had to cut it short due to members and staff testing positive for COVID. It's just too risky to keep the show going on right now, so their tour will be changed to dates that are TBA. But AOMG Artist Tour continues as of recording time, so be sure to check that out if you want to see particularly Davida. She is incredible, as we've talked about on the show before. Pentagon has an offline and online fan meeting. Livestream tickets out now, and the show will be April 2nd and 3rd. Unfortunately, the exact same days as Kravity's online and offline first big concert, with day two being livestreamed. NCT Dream's upcoming Beyond live show to celebrate their comeback is coming April 5th. April 9th, EXO will have an online and offline show to celebrate their 10-year anniversary. Got more surprises related to that up my sleeve, so stay tuned. 6. CIX have announced USA tour dates that as of recording time are for April 27th through May 10th. They'll hit LA, San Francisco, Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, and New York. This fall, Japanese rock group extraordinaire in my book, Band Made, is coming to the USA. Starting with an October 9th performance at the Aftershock Festival, they will then go to Seattle, San Francisco, LA, San Diego, Phoenix, Dallas, Houston, DC, Philadelphia, and New York. No Chicago, SMH. Then they will go to Boston for a final show at the end of the month. So make me jealous and go celebrate Halloween with Band Made. Tickets out now. And My Music Taste is putting together a streaming show with Stray Kids and in hyphen, which feels like a dream I had, but apparently that's happening through My Music Taste, March 31st, streaming 8pm Korean time. Moving on to a ton of miscellaneous rapid-fire headlines. Dogu Entertainment recently released a statement addressing the latest on Donkiz. First of all, the group is officially changing their name to DKZ. And they're adding three members. So next time you see them, some members have left, but three new ones have joined. And they'll go by DKZ. Two members have been on hiatus. Monique, who will stay in the group, but will sit out the next round of activities still due to anxiety. And Wande. He has officially left the group. He was on hiatus too for a physical injury, and he still needs time for physical therapy, and because he just doesn't know, and it doesn't look like anytime soon, he would be ready to return to promotions, he's just going to exit the group. He felt that would be best for them to not hold up. JYP Entertainment, as my Substack subscribers knew right away, JYP Entertainment is officially expanding in the USA for JYP USA. They plan to both boost artist promo here and do an extra push for their new acts, Extinary Heroes and Enmix. They plan to recreate the Niju-style approach, presumably meaning that USA-born and raised artists will be put together but with a K-pop-style boot camp, kind of what they did for Niju in Japan. And they plan to set up physical office space in both LA and New York. So you guys are quite lucky. Any fan signing events and stuff will likely go to those two cities. Hopefully Chicago is the third one. We shall see. I'll speak that into existence. 
COVID continues to be the worst and spread rapidly in South Korea as well as all over the world still, but here is my latest attempt to try hard to keep tabs on every K-pop artist who has gotten COVID since our last episode. Kim Sejun, Byunshan from Victon, Solji, six members of Very Very, six members of Stray Kids, three members of Astro, seven members of Seventeen, three members of Pentagon, Four members of WJSN, Solar, Rosé, Key, Nuxal, five members of A-Pink, three members of The Boys, Ryouk, Rujin from Itzy, two members of Uptension, P.O. from Block B, all members of Luna except Hyunjin, three members of Fremis 9, three members of Ghost 9, three members of Oh My Girl, four members of B2B, Minhyun from New East, Ga-Ol from Ive, two members of Kingdom, Hyuna, Kai, Jun Sewoon, Yoon from Stacy, two members of Enmix, two members of Brave Girls, three members of Red Velvet, two members of TXT, and as of recording time, that's it, but probably more by the time the episode comes out. Let's pivot to some good news. The annual IFPI Global List for Most Highest Selling Albums and Artists of the Year is here, and 17 made both lists. With Attica in number 3 for most sold albums globally, I'm so happy for them. Your Choice also got number 8 on that list. And 17 as a group was the ninth top-selling artist in the world for 2021. It's official. A BTS compilation album, BTS The Best, got 4th place in most sold albums, and BTS was number 1 on the other list. Also of note, Snowmania S1 got 9th place with their album Snowman. You may feel like, what? I've never heard of them. First of all, they're huge in Japan. Second of all, remember, this is about physical unit sales. And Japan is really, they really, really prioritize physical albums still. Just compared to other countries that really lean into streaming services. That's part of the reason they're on the list. But they are also really popular. Meanwhile, TXT, with over 40% of the vote, won the NME Band Lab Award for Hero of the Year, becoming the first Korean artist to ever win it. It's a British award for an artist who, quote, made the world a much more excellent place over the last 12 months. Previous winners have included Beyonce, Ariana Grande, Lady Gaga. There's actually, in addition to Hero of the Year, they announce a Villain of the Year, too. This year, it's the Minister of the State for Brexit Opportunities, Jacob Rees-Mogg. It's a British publication, so... Lots of updates for Seventeen since the last time we spoke about them. As of recording time, just the rumor is that they will have a full album out this May and have a May comeback. I'm just throwing this out there. Hopefully a summer tour to follow it? Gearing up before that May album release, they have The Power of Love, the movie, coming to a theater near you, with some screenings in 4D. That will be April 20th, and a second opportunity to see it, the 23rd. More info at svtpoweroflovethemovie.com, and also note that the description for this movie is the cutest thing in the world. Quote, Seventeen's love letter, in movie form, embodies all the love in the world for carrots. They'll also have May 7th and 8th, an in-person fan event in Japan, They also recently released this really funny 17 as old men sketch of sorts, a Facebook exclusive. On YouTube, Dino's new danceology video dropped, performing to Cheating on You by Charlie Puth, and Soongwan's epic cover of Juice by Lizzo with Lee Yunji. Really incredible cover, it made my day. 
DK has a new OST, The 8 has a new song out, and Vernon has his first ever solo magazine cover out for First Look. Stray Kids made their late-night performance debut in the USA, performing Maniac on Colbert March 18th. Girls' Generation's Taeyeon now has a Twitter account. NCT's Hetchin has Instagram now. Jiyoon from Weekly is going to sit out some promo for a while due to health issues, as is Eric from The Boys. March 14th, New East contracts officially ended. Two of the members did renew their contracts, but three did not. It's one of those things where they don't overtly say, we're done for good, but it's that kind of thing where we know it's kind of over. I'll have more of a reflection on their career in a future episode, so look out for that. Kim Chae-won and Miyawaki Sakura from Eyes One are both set to join HYBE's new girl group set for a May debut. Yeun and Soon-yeon have decided not to renew their contracts with Cube Entertainment, so there's another blow to hopes of more from CLC. Hyeyeon from Goo Goo Dan signed with Beyond J Entertainment and will now promote as an actress under the name Joe Aram. And Mellomance joined Abyss Company, Bam Bam's company, a dream collab for a future ballad. Jay Park decided he needs to start yet another label, which he did, More Vision, and his first release from it is his collab with IU. Soojin from G Idol is officially out of the group and her contract with Cube has been terminated. There are some new fandom name announcements. Nmix's fandom is officially the Enser, spelled like answer without the A, standing for North, South, West, East, and Route, meaning they'll follow any route. Tempest fans are officially the IE, letter I, letter E, and Unites fans, yeah, ahead of their debut, they already have this ready, Unis, as in like you need. Congrats to P1 Harmony, who became the first K pop group to ever be on Good Day DC. Congrats to Igi Kwan, who is the new host of the radio show Music Plaza. And congrats to the newest Inkigayo MCs, including Yeonjun from TXT. Chun-Law will participate in NCT Dream's upcoming comeback, but due to an ankle injury, he will have an altered level of participation, so keep that in mind. A new report reveals that SM Entertainment's profits rose almost 20% in 2021 compared to 2020 and the annual sale was reported to be about 701.5 billion won at this point. HYBE has launched a new educational piece of merch, a Blackpink Korean language curriculum. There are five versions in different languages, all to help you learn Korean, and it's available in the Weaver shop. Via Pluto TV, you can tune into CJENM's K-Everything channel for K-pop access, shows, movies, etc. 24-7 now. This is not a sponsored comment, but feel free to sponsor me, CJENM. Congrats to trot singer Park Goon, who is getting married, and to Kim Hyunjun, who also is, to someone else. Dale from Golden Child is enlisting in the military March 29th. Yukis made a donation to Ukraine, and they actually met with the Ukrainian ambassador for the Republic of Korea. Might as well slide in now my action item of the day to support Ukrainians right now. I will continue to list them in these action item segments of my show. For now, I will direct you to razom4ukraine.org. My Universe by BTS and Coldplay is now certified gold in the UK, and Blood, Sweat, and Tears by BTS is silver. The Seven Fates Chaco official YouTube channel surpassed 1 million subscribers and earned its gold play button. 
I'd like to think the 17 karat K-pop boost promoting this show is what got it there. And I would also like to give myself some credit for boosting Millet, an iconic Japanese artist, because she just reached 2 million monthly Spotify listeners, and I would like to think I had a small role in that. You never know. Can't prove I didn't. Blackpink's The Album topped 2 billion streams, which makes it the first K-pop female album in history to reach that, and makes Blackpink the first girl group in Spotify's history to have five separate songs each reach over 400 million streams. Plus their song with Selena Gomez, Ice Cream, just surpassed 400 million streams, and Lisa's solo video, Money, just got to half a billion views. Also just passing half a billion views, Fancy by Twice, and Love Shop IXO. Jenny Solo reached 800 million, 30 million views on J Soul Brothers' Rat Tat Tat, 40 million on G Idol's Tomboy, probably much more by now, but as of recording time, 40 million, 50 million on Jik Jin by Treasure, and NMix's OO, 60 million views, Jesse's Cold Blooded, 100 million, Jun Somi's Birthday, BTS's No, Red Velvet's Queendom, and Ives' Eleven. 300 million, BTS's On, and Twice's Knock Knock. As for topping iTunes charts, Bim Bim's new OST, Melting, did in 13 countries. Super Junior's new release did in 20. Solar's new album, Face, did in 20. G Idol's new album, I Never Die, did in 24. Stacy's new album did in 13, Moonbin and Sana's album in 10, Taeyeon is the first NCT member solo to reach 90 million overall streams. Aping's Horn doubled their previous record for first week album sales. The record was held in 2015 for 32,000 in a week. This one is 53,000. Another first week album sales record, Weekly's new album, over 80k. And lastly, BTS is now the first foreign artist, foreign related to Japan, to earn Japan's Recording Academy Diamond Certification for streaming. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, as always. Lots of exciting stuff up my sleeve for both How to Stand and 17 Karat K-Pop. Please rate and review the show, howtostands.substack.com to subscribe for newsletter updates, some interviews. Stay tuned in. When it's quiet on the podcast feed, it's not on the newsletter side or vice versa. I'm always up to something, so please stay tuned. And I will talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everyone.